so glad all of you guys are here with us this morning. Just want to go over a couple announcements. I'd encourage you to uh, open up your bulletin and uh, just look along with me. After the service, there's going to be a quick fellowship committee meeting uh, right up here, uh, right before the Sunday school hour. We also tomorrow night have our missions committee meeting um, along with our regular weekly activities. Next Sunday uh, is the last Sunday to bring in the Operation Christmas Child shoeboxes. Uh, so I'd encourage you guys to bring those in. I know a lot of people have taken them. Uh, we, this is one of the things that we love to do every year. Uh, but everything's due next week. So uh, just please bring it in by next week. Outside of that, again, I'd encourage you uh, to look through your bulletin. There's some stuff in the look ahead uh, that we would just uh, encourage you guys to uh, be aware of. Uh, with, the, with that, we will open our service with a word of prayer. Let's pray. Lord, we praise you this morning for the chance that we have uh, to look to you, to make your name great, to lift you up, Lord. We uh, gather together in your house this morning. Lord, I do just pray that you would be praised this morning, Lord. We pray that you would be magnified, that you'd be glorified, and that would start within each one of our hearts, Lord, that it wouldn't be something that we look externally, but Lord, we start with uh, what's inside of us, Lord, that our hearts are focused on you. Lord, I pray that uh, you would receive the honor and glory for everything that happens this morning. For all these things in your name. Amen. Let's stand up and worship the Lord this morning.
And Lord, as we come before you this morning, we just realize how much we need you. We need you to be the one to take care of us. We need you to be the one to provide for us. We need you to be the one to protect us. And Lord, we do just praise you that that is who you are, that you are a God who does take care of us, that you are the God who is our rock, our fortress, and our shield. Lord, it's in your name that, Lord, we gather this morning, we praise you, and Lord, we do just uh, thank you for who you are and that you do care about each one of us this morning. And Lord, as we present these requests to you, Lord, we know that you are the God who is here, that you are the God who is with us, that you are the God who is walking alongside us every step of the way. Lord, we do pray for Josh Thomas this morning, and Lord, uh, He's just in a very difficult position, Lord, in difficult uh, diagnosis and uh, uh, different steps being taken with having a, a chemo port put in. And, Lord, we do uh, just pray for him, Lord. We pray, first of all, just for him uh, emotionally and spiritually, Lord, that he would stay uh, grounded. And, Lord, uh, that he would just be encouraged by you. And then, Lord, we do pray for him physically, Lord, that you would provide um, just miraculous healing for him, that you would... Uh, just bring him along uh, to your side, and Lord, that you would be there to comfort him, especially during this time. Lord, we do pray for Joan Bradway, Lord, as she uh, just had a, had a fall, Lord, a, a couple weeks ago, and Lord, she's still recovering from that. Lord, we do just pray for healing for her. We praise you that um, she has healed already quite a bit, but Lord, uh, she's still got a good ways to go, so Lord, we do just pray for healing. And Lord, we do pray uh, for Fred, Lord, we praise you that he's here this morning. Uh, uh, just everything that he's gone through in the past couple weeks, Lord, we praise you that he's feeling better, he's feeling stronger, uh, but Lord, we know he's still got a long way to go, and Lord, we do just pray for healing for him. And Lord, we do specifically pray as he's got uh, some just upcoming tests and different things uh, that the doctors are going to be checking out, Lord, we do just pray uh, that he would just receive uh, favorable responses to all of those things. Lord, we do uh, just pray right now for peace in our world, Lord, and I do specifically pray uh, just for everything happening with Israel and the Middle East. And Lord, we do just pray that you would uh, bring a resolution to this conflict, Lord, that you would protect your people, and Lord, that you would uh, just uh, bring about peace through this whole thing, Lord. I know that there's just so much uh, uh, just violence and difficulty through all of this, Lord. We pray uh, just for peace, Lord. We pray for innocent lives that are involved, Lord, that they would be protected by your hand. And Lord, we do uh, specifically pray for our missionary, Abu Saad, Lord, as he's just in the middle of all of this, being in Jordan, Lord. We pray that you would uh, just provide healing and protection for him. Lord, we do just also pray for our missionaries of the month, Lord, and Jim and Roberta Hill with Trans World Radio. Lord, we do just pray for their ministry, that it would continue to thrive. And Lord, as they just continue to reach out to different people groups, Lord, that you would just bless their hand as they continue forward. Lord, we do uh, just pray uh, just for all of those who are working long hours, Lord, and I know the outage is still going on, and Lord, there's so many other people who are just working long hours, working overtime, working difficult, uh, just time uh, at, their, at their work, Lord, and we do just pray for them. We pray that you would bring about uh, endurance for them and uh, just perseverance through it all. And Lord, we do uh, pray this week uh, for the upcoming elections, Lord. We have uh, the elections on Tuesday, Lord. We do just pray, again, just for your hand of guidance, Lord. We know that you're the one who's over all governing authorities, Lord. You're the one who's in control of all of that. You're the one who raises up kings and can bring down kings, Lord. It's all in your hands. It's all in your power. And Lord, we do just pray for your protection for uh, our country, Lord, as we go through these elections. 
Lord, we do just pray that you would receive the honor and glory this morning, Lord, that it would all be due your name. We do pray all these things in your name. Amen. I encourage you to stand up as we continue our, continue our service. Please take your Bibles, open to Exodus chapter 18, Exodus chapter 18. We'll be reading verses 13 through 23, Exodus 18, 13 to 23. The next day Moses took his seat to serve the judge for the people, and they stood around him from morning till evening, when his father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he said, what is this you are doing for the people? Why do you alone sit as judge while all these people stand around you from morning to evening? Moses answered him, because the people come to me to seek God's will. Whenever they have a dispute, it is brought to me, and I decide between the parties and inform them of God's decrees and laws. Moses' father-in-law replied, what are you doing is not good. 
You and those people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. Listen now to me, and I will give you some advice. And may God be with you. You must be the people's representative before God and bring their disputes to him. Teach them the decrees and the laws and show them the way to live and the duties they are to perform. But select capable men from all the people, men who fear God, trustworthy men who hate dishonest gain, and appoint them as officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. Have them serve as judges for the people all at all times, but have them bring very difficult cases to you, the simple cases they can decide themselves. That will make your load lighter because they will share it with you. If you do this and God so commands, you will be able to stand a strain and all these people will go home satisfied. Let's begin our time in the word with a word of prayer. Lord, we praise you for your word. We praise you for the power that it has. And Lord, we pray that that power would speak to us this morning. Lord, that we would be convicted, that we would be encouraged, and that we would be changed for you. That we would become more like you through everything that happens this morning. For all these things in your name, amen. One of my favorite things about the fall season is that you get to see all the birds fly south uh, for the winter, around here, there's lots of birds that you see flying south. But if you see some of the bigger birds, the bigger birds actually have a very specific way of doing that. They fly in a V formation. And they do that because they can do better together than they can apart. The V formation does two things for them. First of all, it helps them keep account of every, all the birds that are flying together to make sure that nobody gets left behind, nobody gets lost but the second thing that it does is it actually helps them to fly better. Because what ends up happening is the bird in the front does the most work. He does the most flapping of his wings and all of that. But as he flaps his wings, it actually creates an updraft that the birds behind him catch so that they don't have to work as hard. And they get to relax a little bit. And in turn, what they do is they constantly change which bird is in the front, which bird's doing the, the more work. And along the way... They find that they can fly further and better together than they could ever do apart. It's amazing that God designed them to be just like that, to know that they work together, that individually they can only do so much. They need help, and they're there to help each other. And that's what we're going to be talking about the, this morning, is the simple fact that each one of us needs help. We're not supposed to be by ourselves. We're supposed to be together. We're continuing our series, uh, uh, going deeper with God as we walk through uh, Moses' time in Exodus. And so far, Moses has gone up against uh, a lot of uh, formidable things. He's gone before the burning bush and the Lord. He's gone before Pharaoh and the ten plagues. He stood before the Red Sea, and the Lord parted it for them. And then last week, we talked about the fact that in the wilderness, he had all the people grumbling and complaining, and the Lord provided by sending manna from heaven. Well, this morning, we're actually going to get a time where Moses gets encouraged. And that encouragement comes from his father-in-law, 
named Jethro. It starts all with a family reunion. So I'm going to start reading Exodus chapter 18 to kind of give us a little bit of backstory, starting in verse 1. This is what it says. Jethro, a priest of Midian, Moses' father-in-law, heard of all that God had done for Moses and for Israel, his people, how the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. Now Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, had taken Zipporah, Moses' wife, after he had sent her home, along with her two sons. The name of the one was Gershom, for he said, I have been a sojourner in the foreign land. And the name of the other, Eleazar, for he said, The God of my father, father was my help and delivered me from the sword of Pharaoh. Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, came with his sons and his wife to Moses in the wilderness, where he was encamped at the mountain of God. And when he had sent word to Moses, I, your father-in-law Jethro, am coming to you with your wife and her two sons, Moses went out to meet his father-in-law and bowed down and kissed him. And they asked each other their welfare and went into the tent. So this story starts off with a family reunion, a time the family got to get back together. It's a really joyous moment. To kind of give a little bit of backstory on Moses' life, I know we've talked about this, but Moses spent the first 40 years of his life as the son of Pharaoh in Egypt. And then after 40 years, he ran away, went into the wilderness, went into Midian. And while he was there, he came across uh, these seven daughters of Jethro, and he actually helped them out. And then Jethro takes him in gives him one of his daughters, Zipporah, as a wife. And Moses spends the next 40 years of his life out there with Jethro in the fields. And during that time, Moses has two sons. The name of the one is Gershom. Uh, yeah, Gershom, which means sojourner. And the other one is Eleazar, which means God is my help. And he named them that because of his time out in the wilderness. So at the end of those second 40 years, so when Moses was 80 years old is when the burning bush happened and God spoke to him, told him to go before Pharaoh. And at some point in time while that was happening, we're not quite sure exactly when, but Moses said to his wife and sons, hey, you need to go back to Jethro. I don't know if Moses was scared for them as he was going before Pharaoh. He didn't want them to get hurt or if he just thought um, with everything that was happening with the plagues, it was maybe a little bit too much for them. But he sent his wife and sons and, say, go and said, go back to Jethro and he'll take care of you while I go through this time with trying to lead Israel out of Egypt. So that's where the story picks up. Jethro kind of hears through word of mouth what's happening with, Egypt, or with Israel, that Israel had, had left from Egypt. And he said, okay, now's my chance to go reunite Zipporah with her husband. So he comes out, he brings them all out, he comes to the edge of camp, and he sends word to Moses saying, hey Moses, I've got your wife and your sons here, and it's me, your father-in-law, and Moses immediately goes out. You immediately see his relationship with Jethro and how he responds to this. It says he goes out, he bows down before him, he kisses him, and then he invites him right back into his tent and they start talking with each other about how everything's going. It's this great moment where the family comes back together. But it's in this relationship that we're going to learn two things this morning. And one is going to be something that Moses shows to Jethro, and the second something that Jethro shows to Moses. So the first point that we want to talk about today is that we need to share God with each other. Because that's what Moses does here to Jethro. He shares God with Jethro. Let's start reading, starting in verse 8. 
It says, Then Moses told his father-in-law all that the Lord had done to Pharaoh and to the Egyptians for Israel's sake, all the hardships that had come upon them in the way and how the Lord had delivered them. And Jethro rejoiced for all the good that the Lord had done to Israel and that he delivered them out of the hand of the Egyptians. Jethro said, Blessed be the Lord who has delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of Pharaoh and has delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptians. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all gods because in this affair they dealt arrogantly with the people. And Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, brought a burnt offering and sacrifices to God. And Aaron came with all the elders of Israel to eat bread with Moses' father-in-law before God. So as Moses and his father-in-law start talking about their welfare, naturally the topic comes up of what has Moses been through in the past couple months. And Moses gets this opportunity. He shares about God with Jethro. Now, back in verse 1, we're told that Jethro was a priest of Midian. The phrase there was probably some type of high priest or somebody of importance in the, in the Midian uh, uh, religion. The people of Midian at that time did not believe in the Lord. They probably were polytheistic. We're not exactly sure exactly what their religion was. But they were most likely polytheistic, and you see that in even how Jethro talks a little bit. He talks about multiple gods. And Jethro wouldn't have known anything about the Lord besides what Moses had told him. So Moses had this opportunity to talk with Jethro about how the Lord had delivered Israel. And that's what he does. It says he talks about all that the Lord had done. It's, it's funny that it mentions that Moses talked about the hardships that they went through. Moses specifically took time and said, here's the hard things that we went to through and here's how the Lord provided in the middle of all of that stuff. And, Jethro, and Moses told a simple story to Jethro, but that simple story had a huge impact on Jethro's life. It shows, him, it shows Jethro's response here that he looks to the Lord, he praises him, he says, blessed be the Lord because of all that he's done, that he's above all gods. It's interesting if you would have been uh, a polytheistic person back then in Midian, um, a lot of times people who are polytheistic, they look to each individual um, groups uh, or countries' gods, and typically they would say who, the gods that are strongest are whatever countries are strongest. So at that time, they probably would have assumed that some of the Egyptian gods were the strongest out there because Egypt was one of the strongest countries at the time. And just a few weeks ago, we talked about the plagues, and we talked about how God, with each of the plagues, put down the different false Egyptian gods that were out there. And Jethro would have heard that. And Jethro would have heard how God showed himself as greater than all the other false gods. And that's what Jethro says here, that God is greater because the, others have, the other gods have acted arrogantly with Israel. And then it says that Jethro makes sacrifices to God. He turns to God. He offers offerings to God, burnt offerings. He turns to God, and then it says he gets fellowship with the elders of Israel. It says before God. So Jethro turns away from the gods that he worshipped and turns to the true God. And he offers sacrifices. He gathers in fellowship with them. 
And Moses has this fantastic opportunity to bring his father-in-law to God. And you know, I wanted to pause right there and just talk about that a little bit because that is our call as Christians. We are called to bring people to God. We're called to share God's story of deliverance. Now, we don't share the story of deliverance from Egypt. We share the story of deliverance from our own sin. How God sent His Son, Jesus Christ, into this world to die on the cross for our sins. We are called to share that story with the world. And we get this beautiful picture of how Moses goes about doing that. The first thing that it takes to share the gospel is a realization that we need God ourselves. Think about all that Moses had gone through. We need God in our lives. We need to remember all that God has done for us. This morning during communion, we're going to be taking time to remember the great sacrifice that Christ made for us. And we need to remember that we are the first ones who need the gospel. And then it comes with sharing it. Now what's interesting here is who Moses shares it with. Moses does not go to the ends of the earth to share the gospel. He starts with his family. He starts with those closest with him. We all have family who need to hear about God. We have close friends who need to hear about God. That's where it starts. Are we willing to share about God with those close to us, with our family members, with our friends? Are we willing to do that? There's a a famous quote that says, evangelism is just one beggar telling another beggar where to find food. And that's the attitude that we have to have, that we are people in need of help who are sharing with those around us, hey, we found help. We found it through Jesus Christ. We found salvation from our own sins through Jesus Christ. And then we need to share that with people. It's interesting what Moses shares here. Moses shares a simple story. He shares his story. He doesn't go on some theological debate. He doesn't go on some apologetic tangent. He shares his story about what God did for him. And that's what we can do. A lot of times we get scared with sharing our faith with other people because we're not sure how to say it. We're not sure if they're going to have some arguments against why we should believe in God or something like that. But the fact of the matter is we just have to share our story. What has God done for you? Now, you might not have some grand story the way that Moses did about God sending plagues and parting the Red Sea, but each one of us has a story about the depths of our own sin and the great God who loves us and sent his son to die on the cross for our sins. And that's a story worth telling. That's a story worth telling anyone. And you never have to be scared or shy with that story. So what do we do if we're scared or shy about that story? The first thing we should do is start in prayer. We should pray to God. We should pray for the person we want to share Christ with. We should pray for ourselves that we'll be bold enough to share about Christ. And then we go to them and we share. One of the things that I think a lot of people have said to me when we talk about evangelism is what if I say the wrong thing? What if I say it 
wrong. And I would just say that there's a lot of great resources out there that help you share the gospel. If you're not quite sure exactly what to say, there are things out there. We have back in the back, we have tracks that walk you through the gospel. I encourage you to grab one of them. Take it along with you. There's also many online resources. There's things like the Romans Road, the Wordless Book. There's a group called Dare to Share Ministries who has an app that you can download on your phone called Life in Six Words. And it shares the gospel using six different words. And it's a very simple, straightforward gospel. So one of the things that I wanted to say this morning is if you want to share the gospel, there's resources out there. If you don't feel like you know what to say, look into things. There's an app you can download that helps you with it. There are tracks in the back that you can grab that you can take with you. Ultimately, the gospel comes down to a simple story, right? That we are sinners. That that sin separates us from God. But God loves us so much that he sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins. And he rose again three days later. And that if we believe in him, we can have forgiveness of our sins and eternal life with God. That's the message. That's the simple gospel message. But the question we have to ask ourselves this morning is, are we going to share that? Are we going to share it with those around us? Are we going to start with those closest to us the way Moses did? We're called to share Christ with people. Are we going to do that? So that's the first thing I want to talk this morning about is that we need to share Christ with people. The second thing is a lesson that Jethro is now going to turn around and teach to Moses. And the lesson is quite simple. It's that we need to work together. It all starts with this observation that Jethro makes about Moses. Let's read that. We're going to, I'm going to be starting in verse 13. Exodus 18, starting in verse 13. It says, The next day Moses sat to judge the people, and the people stood around Moses from morning till evening. When Moses' father-in-law saw all that he was doing for the people, he said, What is this that you are doing for the people? Why do you sit alone and all the people stand around you from morning till evening? And Moses said to his father-in-law, Because the people come to me to inquire of God. When they have a dispute, they come to me, and I decide between one person and another, and I make known to them the statutes of God and his law. Moses' father-in-law said to him, What you are doing is not good. You and the people with you will certainly wear yourselves out, for the thing is too heavy for you. You are not able to do it alone. Stop right there for a moment. It all starts with a simple observation that Jethro makes. The next morning, Jethro goes out with Moses and watches Moses do his daily routine. And Moses' daily routine is to sit before the people of Israel and all day long from the beginning of the day to the end of the day, people bring before him disputes and he decides between different issues. He stands as a judge for the people. And Jethro watches him do this and he says, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? Why are you doing it all alone? And what's interesting is Moses' response here. How does Moses respond? He says, I am speaking for God. The people come to me to inquire of God, and I make decisions for them. You see, Moses knows for a fact that God has called him to lead Israel, and that as the leader, he is speaking for God, and he is true in how he's doing that. The people are coming to him to inquire of God, and he's teaching them about God's laws and statutes. And that's true. But there's a problem with it. And the problem is that Moses is trying to do that alone. 
He's trying to do it all by himself. And that's, that's what Jethro says. He says, what you're doing is not good. You and the people around you, you're going to wear yourselves out. This is too heavy for you. You can't do it alone. Just like a bird trying to fly south all by itself is going to wear itself out. Jethro says, listen, you're going to wear yourself out if you try to do this alone. And the fact of the matter is, we are not meant to be isolated people. We're not meant to be alone. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 12, God says, it is not good for man to be alone. In Proverbs 27, 17, it says, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. In Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9, it says, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they, if they fall, one will lift up his fellow, but woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm, but how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two can withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. The Bible is very clear to us that we are not meant to be alone. And it's amazing, uh, you know, the psychology world, the, the, techn- the science that's being done today is actually like reaffirming everything that the Bible talks about because they're actually finding out today that people who are living alone in isolation are actually worse off in many different ways. In fact, a recent poll, Gallup poll from February, found that those who uh, said they were lonely the previous day, they had a three times higher chance of being depressed twice the chance of having worry, and six times higher chance of being angry. Think about that. We are not meant to be alone. And that's what Jethro says to Moses. So Jethro has some advice for Moses, and there's three pieces of advice that Jethro gives to Moses. I'm going to read uh, the rest of the passage, and then I'll talk about that. Starting in verse 19, Jethro says, Now obey my voice, I will give you advice. And God be with you. You shall represent the people before God and bring their cases to God. And you shall warn them about the statutes and the laws and make them know the way in which they must walk and what they must do. Moreover, look for able men from all the people, men who fear God, who are trustworthy and hate a bribe. And place such men over the people as chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens. And let them judge the people at all times. Every great matter they shall bring to you, but any small matter they shall decide themselves. So it will be easier for you, and they will bear the burden with you. If you do this, God will direct you, and you will be able to endure, and all this people will go to their place in peace. So Moses listened to the voice of his father-in-law and did all that he said. Moses chose able men out of all Israel and made them heads over the people, chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens. And they judged the people at all times, any hard case they brought to Moses, but any small matter they decided themselves. Then, Joseph, jo- then Moses left, let his father-in-law depart, and he went away to his own country. So Jethro comes and he gives advice to Moses. And there's three pieces of advice that he gives here. The first one is find help. He said, you are not meant to be by yourself. Has anyone here seen somebody be a one-man band before? It's hard. It's a lot. You're not supposed to play multiple instruments at a time. The person wears themselves out very quickly trying to be a one-man band. Instead, it's easier if you have multiple people in a band that they're working together. 
And that's what Jethro is saying. He says, you're not supposed to be alone. Find help. Notice what's interesting is that Jethro does not say, Moses, stop doing what you're doing. He says, no, keep doing what you're doing. Just get help. Just find someone, find people to help you. And it's amazing that that's how God designed the church to be today. When you read in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it talks about the body of Christ all working together, each person having different roles and working together. We see that we're not meant to be alone in the church. We're meant to do this together. We're meant to serve God together, to bear each other's burdens, to work together. So Jethro's advice is to find help. Now, what's interesting is Jethro does not just say find anyone to help. He gives some specifications, right? He says find able people. This is uh, in verse uh, 21. It says find able people, people who can do the job well. He says find people who fear the Lord. Find people who are going to look to God first and not to the secular world, not to their own thoughts, but look first to God He says, find people who are trustworthy, people who love the truth, people who are going to stay true to what the Lord is saying, people who are going to walk the correct path. And then finally he says, find people who hate a bribe, find people who are are people of integrity, who aren't going to be swayed by money or by influence or anything like that, but find the right people. Jethro says, go find those people. They're the ones who I want to help you. And it's the same today, right? We each need to ask ourselves a question. This is actually a great kind of uh, test for us to run on ourselves. Would this describe me? If, If these were the specifications given out, would that describe me? Am I somebody who is able, who fears the Lord, who's trustworthy, who doesn't like bribes, somebody of integrity? Does that describe me? Jethro says, find that person. And then that brings us to the second thing. He says, Teach them. Train them. Verse 20, this is what he says. Uh, or Yeah, verse 20. It says, You shall warn them about the statutes and the laws and make known to them in the way in which they must walk and what they must do. He says, Listen, Moses, instead of you being the one ju- making judgments between these people, why don't you train other people to know God's way, to know His statutes, to know His laws, Train them so that they will be ready and able to direct people to God. That way, Moses doesn't get stuck doing it himself. Instead, it gets passed on to other people who are taught and trained on how to do things. And you know, we're called to do the exact same thing as a church. Ephesians chapter 4 Verses 11 through 16 spells out how the church is supposed to function, but verse 12 specifically in that section, it's talking about leaders of the church and what leaders are supposed to do, and it says that leaders are supposed to equip God's people for works of service for the building up the body of Christ. That one of the call to leaders, one of the call to the pastors of the church is to teach and train other people. Now, what's interesting is that in this passage, we're supposed to equip people, and then people are supposed to build up the body of Christ together. We're supposed to do this together. As more and more people get taught and trained, that's how we are all supposed to work together in the ministry. Another passage, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2, 
shows Paul talking to Timothy, and Paul says to Timothy, the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable men so that they will be able to teach others. So Paul is saying to Timothy, listen, the things that I've taught you, go find reliable people, again, going back to Jethro's thing, find the right people and teach them so that they can go and teach others. The church is all about teaching the next generation, passing on what we know, teaching those underneath of us, and not just so that the people underneath of us know about God, but so that the people underneath of us can then go and teach other people about God that we keep this process going of passing down the things of God. And then the third piece of advice that Jethro gives to Moses after he's found the people, after he's taught and trained them, he says, share the responsibility. He specifically says, bear the burden together. That they'll bear the burden with you. Leadership is a burden. Serving the Lord is a responsibility. And we're not supposed to do that alone. Jethro's advice is, listen, let the people underneath you handle the small issues. You can still handle the big issues. All the big issues that come up can come straight to you, Moses. But have other people handle the smaller issues so that you don't deal with everything all day, every day, and wear yourself out. And his conclusion is that if you do this, In verse 23, it says, you will be able to endure, and the people will go to their place in peace. Jethro is saying, listen, if you do this, Moses, you're going to last longer, and the people are going to do better. They're going to have better peace because you're sharing the responsibility. Again, the same is true for the church. We're called to share the responsibility together. Share the responsibility to serve God together, to witness to other people together. When Jesus gives the Great Commission, Matthew chapter 28, and he says, Go into all the world and make disciples of all people, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all that I command you. What's interesting is that Jesus doesn't say that to one individual person, because one individual person is not going to be able to carry out that task. One individual person is not going to be able to go into all the world and make disciples of all people. It's not going to happen. Jesus says that to his disciples. And they then pass that responsibility on to those underneath of them. And it gets passed all the way down to us. And even today, there's not one person who's going to be able to accomplish the Great Commission by themselves. If we want to impact the world, we've got to do it together. That starts with each one of us sharing a bit of the responsibility, doing our part to share Christ with those around us, to serve the Lord in areas that we can serve, to do our part in building up the body of Christ. I want to just close real quick by talking about Quinton Baptist Church. This is where it kind of gets direct and personal to us. As a church, we have three main goals, three main uh, things that are part of our uh, description. That's faith, growth, legacy. By faith, what we mean is that people will hear about God and place their faith in God. By growth, we mean that people will learn and grow deeper in their relationship 
with God. And by legacy, what we mean by that is that we will go out and impact those around us and the world around us for Christ, that we will leave a legacy behind of people who look to us and say, I want to serve God the way that person served God. But here's the thing. If we're going to accomplish that as a church, we've got to do it together. It's not going to be something that any one of us can accomplish. It's not something that I, as the pastor, can accomplish all by myself. It's not something that's just going to happen here on a Sunday morning either. It's something that has to be all through the week. It has to be with each one of us, doing our part, sharing Christ with those around us, being involved in teaching those around us and in learning from those around us. And then serving the Lord together to have an impact for God. This is what it comes down to. If we're going to do this as a church, we got to do it together. As each one of us does our part, we share the responsibility. We got to do it together. Let's pray. Lord, we acknowledge that we are only human, that not a single one of us is able to change the world by ourselves, that we need help from you, that we need you to guide and direct us, that we need you for our own salvation, that we need your assistance as we go out into the world to share about you with others. But Lord, we also praise you that you didn't just Leave us alone. You gave us a body of Christ, a church to be a part of, to share the workload with, to do it together so that we're not meant to be people who are by ourselves. Lord, I pray that we would rely on each other, that we would work together, that we would accomplish your mission for our church, that we would do it together as a church. Lord, I pray that as we do that, that you would receive the honor and glory. Lord, we pray all these things in your name. Amen. As we take a moment and prepare for communion, we're going to uh, sing this song of Come to the Altar. And I just encourage you to take time and think about what God has done for you. We talked earlier about how we needed God in our own lives and God had to rescue us. And I'd encourage you to just think about where you were and how God rescued you. As we sing this song, let's stand and worship.
as we take time now to gather before the communion table, we reflect and we remember all that God has done for each one of us. That when we were sinners, God loved us so much that he sent his sons to the world to die for us. And this communion table is also an opportunity for us to declare that to each other and to those around us that we are partakers in all that God has done. This communion table is open to anyone who's placed their faith in Jesus Christ. We don't believe that this saves you. We don't believe that this does anything special to ensure your salvation. But we do it to remember. We do it to tell those around us all that God has done for each one of us. The Bible says that we should do this in a very serious manner, that we shouldn't take this lightly, that we should reflect on our own selves before we partake in communion. So we're going to take a moment to do that right now. I just encourage you to take a moment of prayer to confess any sin before the Lord and to prepare your hearts for communion. Ron, can you pray for us this morning? Father, we just stand this morning, sinners saved by grace. Father, you are so thankful for your son Jesus who took on your wrath, who stepped in front of us and redeemed us. Father, help us to work, work and walk worthy of our salvation.
Jesus said, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When the meal was over, Jesus took the cup. Joe, can you pray for us? Our Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for sending your Son to save us from our sins. We thank you for the blood that he shed for us. We ask your blessing now upon our time together. Help each of us to be willing to serve and to be obedient to your word. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.
Jesus said, this cup is the new covenant of my blood shed for you and for all for th- forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. And now let us pray in the words our Savior gave us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Now let's stand and sing uh, one final song this morning. It's not about us, it's yet not I, but Christ in me. Let's stand and sing. Thank you.
close out this morning, we did want to uh, offer the invitation open. If you need God in your life, if you feel that you need help, you need someone to talk to, you need someone to support you, you need someone to carry your burden with you, we'd have people up here who love to pray with you, to talk with you, to help share some of your burdens in life. And Lord, as we close out this morning, Lord, we pray not I, but through Christ in me. Through Christ in each one of us this morning, we pray that you would be working and not ourselves. We pray that you would be powerful and not ourselves. We pray that you would receive the honor and glory and not ourselves this morning. We pray these things in your name. Amen.